0: John baptizes with water for the forgiveness of sins. And John, furthermore, humbles himself when he points to Jesus and says that he is going to be greater and more worthy and his baptism will be a greater baptism. Because his baptism, Jesus' baptism, will not just be with water, It won't just be for the forgiveness of sins but also with the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus shows up to be baptized even though he himself does not need cleansing. He himself does not need to repent because he had not sinned. And so the baptism is not for himself. His baptism is for you and for me. Jesus' baptism is there to wash away our sins, to bring our lives also to repentance, but also to infuse our lives with the same Holy Spirit that descended upon him. And that's what we see in Jesus' baptism. The Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus like a dove and identifies him as the One, the Beloved, The one through whom the Holy Spirit will descend upon us. And the Heavenly Father speaks from heaven. The Father claims His Son. You are my Son. The Father expresses His love. He says, you are the Beloved This beloved word comes from the word agape. It's the divine love, the highest form of love that God has toward his son. And then the father affirms his son. He says, in you I am well pleased. The core of this scripture is parental love. The love between a father and his son. We don't get to hear God the Father speak to Jesus directly, but a few times. The only other time where he speaks this directly is at his transfiguration. And it's the same words. You are my beloved son. In you, I am well pleased. It's about the loving relationship that God has between the persons of the Trinity. Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit support one another. They love one another. They are family together. They are mysteriously three, but also mysteriously one. The question is, have you and I had an encounter with this divine parental love? It's easy for us to imagine Jesus being perfect, being human, but also divine, being worthy of this love. But it may seem to us unimaginable that God would love you and me with the same infinite parental love. You'll remember the Ten Commandments are divided into two parts. The first part is about loving God with our whole mind, our, own, our whole heart and strength, our relationship about between God and us. And then the second part between us and our neighbor, to love our neighbor as ourselves or as Christ loved us. And right in the middle of those two parts is the commandment to honor your father and your mother which is genius because it is the transitional commandment that reminds us that our parents are the closest thing to our relationship with God, our creator. Scripture says that God knit us together in our mother's wombs. God is our creator, but our first encounter with authority and what it means to be a parent comes from our earthly parents our own mothers and our own fathers there's a problem with that <laughs> All pa- I don't mean to offend you but all parents are flawed you're looking at a flawed parent <laughs> up here standing we parents could never substitute we could never stand in as a substitute for God and yet, we do. And yet, most of us think about God, what we think about God, how we view God, often comes from our parents. And so when we think about what God is like, we often go to our child-like minds and reconstruct God in that image. But here is the difficult part. For those of us who have suffered abuse or neglect or have had deeply troubled parents, our view of God can become terribly skewed and distorted. And so that is why Jesus walks into the Jordan for us. That's why the Heavenly Father lightens up. He lights up when he sees his begotten son. The Holy Spirit visibly singles Jesus out as the favored one, the special one. And then God speaks from heaven, speaking words that this one is especially dear to him. We might gloss over this because they're just simple words. You are my beloved son and you I am well pleased. But what it reveals is an authentic relationship between God the Father and His Son. We may have never known such healthy, unconditional love. Not everyone is blessed to have had a mother and or a father who so tenderly and lovingly affirms that. Jesus reveals that he always walks under the light of God's countenance. God always smiles upon His Son. When Jesus walks into the room, into the Jordan, the Father beams with words of love and affirmation. In stark contrast, you and I, when we walked into the room where our parents were as young children, We have, sadly, may have met our parents in the midst of distraction, or impatience, or absence, or in extreme cases, abuse. It's why being a parent is such a high calling, and a grandparent. We teach little ones what authority is like, we teach little ones what God is like. It may be why so much of us think about God as being a stingy God, stingy with his love. The God likes some people much more than he loves others. We think that we have to fight for his approval just as we did perhaps with our siblings, fighting for attention. From our parents we might think that we have to do good works to be a good little girl or little boy in order to get God's our God's attention but like our parents often because we believe God and his love is scarce that there's not enough love there's not enough of God to go around which I hope you know is ridiculous (laughs) The good news today, in these simple words, in this act of Jesus being baptized, is that Christ's baptism is your baptism, and it's my baptism. The words spoken to Jesus are the same words the Father speaks to you as his daughters and his sons. John the Baptist says that our baptism is going to be greater than the baptism he offers And he's the one who baptized Jesus. You could say that our baptism is even more special. Because like Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit also. Descending upon us. And into our hearts. And into our lives. As Christ promised. And the good word for you and me. For some of us who suffered greatly as children. Because we lacked The unconditional love of our earthly parents. Our one or both of them never showed up either physically or emotionally. Baptism is what Psalm 2710 says. My mother and my father may have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. It's hard to believe, but it's true that when you walk into the room where God is, which, by the way, he's always with you, (laughs) but when you walk in his presence under the light of his countenance, your Heavenly Father also lights up. You light up the room for him. The Holy Spirit considers you just as special, that you are also fearfully and wonderfully made. You dear child of God, are especially dear to your Heavenly Father and your Creator. You are, in in this sense, Abba's favorite. My favorite part of the book, The Shack, which is about a man who suffered terrible abuse as a child and had a distorted view of God. I love it when Mac is having a conversation with God in the book. God says, I'm especially fond of your daughter. I'm especially fond of your son's girlfriend. I'm especially fond of this person and that person. And then God finally says, I'm especially fond of you, Mac. And Mac can't hear it. He responds cynically, And he responds in unbelief. And he says, he asks God, who are you not especially fond of since you say that all the time? And God says, no one. Our minds could never understand the infinitude of God's love. Look at the way God's love is expressed through forgiveness, even this morning. We pray, Father, forgive our trespasses as we forgive, and God grants it. We come to the baptismal font, and God forgives us in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit for all of our sins. At the beginning of the service, we confessed our sins, and we received full absolution all of our sins. In moments from now, we'll come to the table and we'll receive complete forgiveness with the body and blood of Jesus. Why do we come over and over again to God for forgiveness? Is it because it's scarce? Is it because he's reluctant to give forgiveness? Quite the opposite. He does so because he wants to remind us over and over again, of how fully we are forgiven and deeply loved we are. And so he reminds us time and time again. Our cups truly run over. I'd like to end with a math problem. Any mathematicians here? What is one half of infinity? Ryan. Ryan. I think you said it. Yeah, you infinity. Said what's half of, the word? What's half of infinity? Oh, infinity? Infinity. Infinity. What is one one thousandth of infinity? Infinity. It's hard to imagine, isn't it, that God's love could never be scarce? There's eight billion people in the world today. What is one eight billionth of infinity? Okay, you can say it. (laughs) Infinity. What is one trillionth of infinity? Infinity. You are God's beloved child. He loves you, each of you, with an infinite love. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.